Hello and welcome to Living the Queen Life, a podcast by Queen of My Own Universe. I'm your host, Margaret Foley, and I am the Queen of My Own Universe. Living the Queen Life podcast showcases the stories of ordinary women doing extraordinary things and brings to you advice, helpful tools and tips and inspiration about how you too can live a life that you love. I believe that every woman is the queen of her own universe, and I'm on a mission to empower you to believe in and lean into your full potential. Think, feel, and live like a queen. There's no one as special as you. Hello, queens, and welcome to episode seven of Living the Queen Life podcast. In this episode, my guest is Susan Jarvis, also known as Susan the Maven. Now, this is certainly an orgasmic conversation, queens. But this episode does come with a little ears warning as we are talking about sex, masturbation, sex toys, and there's a little bit of swearing too. Susan is an advocate for sex positivity for menopausal and older women and for women living with a disability. We are all sexual beings and there's so much shame and taboo for older women talking about sex in positive and non-cringy ways. So today we're talking about tuning into your own sexual needs in and out of relationships, understanding the female anatomy as it pertains to your pleasure, and the misnomers of older women who enjoy sex, and importantly the impact of menopause and ageing on sex and our sex drive. Susan talks about her three key pieces of advice for women who are keen to understand themselves as mature sexual creatures. So get ready for a no-holds-barred conversation that will hopefully inspire you to lean into and lose the shame about enjoying sex and pleasure at any age. Susan Jarvis, welcome to Living the Queen Life podcast. Hello, Marg. How are you today? I am very well and I am super excited for this conversation today. Yes, it's going to be quite orgasmic. (laughs) I normally have organic conversations with my clients, but um, my podcast guests, but I'm very, very happy to have an orgasmic conversation with you today. I was... um, doing some prep for our conversation today and um, listening to some of your your other podcasts um, and also uh, going through your website and having a little browse through your website to learn a little more about you. I got a little distracted when I got to the shopping page Mm -hmm. um, and looked at all the fun things that you do sell on your website, but we will get to that um, in a minute. But I guess maybe if you could just start by telling us a little about yourself and how you came to be doing what you're doing and talking about sex and particularly sex for women over 50, sex for people living with a disability, because it's not a topic that everybody thinks, wow, there's a career choice, let me go do that. I know. Well, speaking of career choice, when I was a child, I actually wanted to be a zookeeper or a marine biologist. Okay, so Mm -hmm. I didn't go down that path. I dived deep into the life of administration and uh, have been a public servant and when I hit 50 and menopause I've actually my menopause journey started in my uh, early 40s I reached a point where I felt really like a square peg in a round hole I was extremely frustrated going to work every day and feeling like a free-range chicken amongst battery hens and then it just coincidence arrived a friend said to me oh there's a business for sale It's a party plan business selling sex toys. Would you be really good at it? I said, (laughs) yes, because, you know, I am very good at sex and uh, like talking about it. And um, I had a look at that brand and I thought, my gosh, it was very tacky, very tacky, had no Mm. sex appeal. It just looked very ordinary. And I thought, fuck it, I could do something so much better. And I wanted to uh, embrace people who are over 50, which is very much my own situation, and acknowledge that people living with a disability, which is also my own situation. I have chronic uh, osteoarthritis in both knees, and I use a walking stick occasionally. 
um, a sort of disability parking, parking permit, which is fantastic for when I go to the shops and need to walk around. And um, also I live with anxiety and depression, which impact me if I don't manage those um, particular triggers. So I'm still very much a sexual person. Okay, I think about sex, I have sex, I get aroused, I don't get aroused, and I know that people over 50 and people living with a disability are also sexual people. So that's why I wanted to focus um, my business down that way because when I looked at the industry and shops and magazines, you don't see many people of that characteristic portrayed mm-hmm. as being a sexual person. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the essence of um, wanting to find something, a, a job where I love to be in it every day. And, and you know the saying, if, you find, if you're working and you love it, you never go to work again or something. Or mm-hmm. my bit of brain fog this morning, my coffee hasn't kicked. <laughs> but in a nutshell, that's why. Amazing, amazing. And I think it's a really important fact that you raise that, you know, you've only got to go and look at, um, you know, your typical sex shop, um, you know, or sexy land or something like that. And a lot of us just kind of cringe a little because it's, it is a little tacky or it's got a reputation, um, which is a little bit sort of, you know, 80s porn movie mm-hmm. kind of themes going on with it where, and especially for, you know, a lot of women, um, probably men too, but, you know, um, speaking from a woman here, that it's a bit cringeworthy going, or you're really uncomfortable, you're a bit embarrassed, mm-hmm. or yeah. shame tends to come up as a word. You know, I'm embarrassed or I'm ashamed of so many things when it comes to our sexualness, not our sexuality, you know, specifically, but for me as a sexual being, especially, you know, as a woman as I age, when we think about these party plan um, you know, sex things. I've just got visions of, um, you know, a group of a group of women sitting around in somebody's living room, and you know, the party plan and host is whipping out some giant dildo and waving, and everybody's you know, drinking out of straws shaped like penises, and it's all just really mm. quite quite tacky and cringy. No, well, it's interesting. I am setting up a party plan side of my business, and it will be the complete opposite. I don't want to make a joke about sex. I want to tap mm-hmm. into the sincerity, the authenticity of being sexual and talk to women about, you know, how many performances have they have they given in the bedroom <laughs> to please their partner and not focus on their own pleasure and make it a priority. So they're the sorts of conversations that I'll be having when I do go into someone's lounge room. And if anyone's listening in the Brisbane area, please reach out. Um, I need to test. I need to do a couple of parties to test and uh, we'll come to some sort of arrangement. Um, but I also like, I think conversations around sex and sexuality are very important, Marg, and I'm really pleased that here on Queen of Your Own Universe that you're broaching this topic. I have got a online meetup group and it's called Older Women Embracing Their Sexuality. And it's a safe place for women to come together and talk and ask questions about sex. Like, what does it feel like for you when you, you're you having sex but you're not achieving an orgasm? You know, what are you doing to unlock your orgasm? How do you manage that with your partner? Things like that. So um, the more we talk about it, the better. One of, one of my catchphrases is sex is as natural as the air we breathe yet we choke on it because we don't know how to do it and we don't know how to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think it's very brave to have openly have conversations and let alone to make a career now for you out of having women in particular talk about, about sex because it's something that um, it's almost like when you, you know, when you get into your 40s and, you know, 50, I've just nudged 50 and, you know, or even older, and I think about it, I think, you know what, I still want to be shagging when I'm 70 and 80 and 90, I don't need, you know, for the this whole notion that, you know, well, you've hit 50 now, it's probably going to be less of it, or let alone that I'm going to be, you know, 
having some lovely little old man next to me and, and we're going to be 80 and never having like that thought of never having sex just like like please don't ever let that happen because that would that sounds really really boring I hear you. yeah but yeah. as women we 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 get to an age where we we can from a from a social media perspective in the movies you know it's almost like between 40 and 60 there's this there's this vacuum of of sexual women or they're portrayed as cougars Mm-hmm. Um, or they're coming out of marriages, you know, whether they might have been married for 20-odd years, um, they're coming out of marriages and discovering themselves, but then there's some kind of, you know, they're apparently turning into raging nymphos um, when, they, when they come out of marriage because, God forbid, they actually want to go and explore who they are as a sexual being. They want to really embrace their own pleasure and seek it and seek to have it fulfilled and have their needs met. Mm. And they're actually figuring out what their sexual needs are and they're not going to just put up with average sex anymore. So I guess, you know, when you think about women of an age where they're starting to kind of go, I want to own who I am as a sexual being and, and wherever that may take me in terms of my sexual curiosity and my sexual essence, that's okay. How do you, I guess, what advice do you have for women who are kind of going, I really want to try and figure out who I am sexually, but I'm scared to do that. How do you help them out with that? Mm, Good question. Well, I offer a prescription to the women that I speak with, and that's three things. Firstly is education. Mm -hmm. You must learn about your body uh, the function of the clitoris, how your mind works, your central nervous system, how breath can impact your anxiety levels and relaxation Mm -hmm. and intensify your orgasm. Work on your Kegels to strengthen up your pelvic floor. So there's, you know, looking after and getting to know your body and how your body responds to arousal. Understanding that when our ovaries were driving our bus, our arousal was very much spontaneous, you know, to stimulus such as touch, having your, your nipples play with or something that you're watching on television and you feel that delicious horniness in your clitoris. Mm. I fucking miss that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, I miss feeling horny. I don't have that anymore for me. I had to learn and I went through a period of grief here, I realise, I mourned the loss of my spontaneous arousal, not knowing I could still feel arousal, but it was now responsive. Mm-hmm. And it would take time. You know, I need I, I need my massa um, my vulva and my clitoris to be massaged for some time to feel an, an arousal feeling. The engorgement of my clitoris, like our clitoris is very much similarly structured to the penis. If you educate yourself around the, the form and function and the development, you'll see that it's all made out of the same materials. It's just, you know, mapped out differently. Um, and our clitoris is more than just what we can touch. Um, I don't have my 3D model with me because I broke it. But um, <laughs> have you seen what the clitoris looks like, Mark? No, okay. not uh, from another perspective, no. All right, we'll have to include a link uh, mm, definitely it's it's similar to a wishbone where mm-hmm. you've got and i'm demonstrating to marg with my fingers here so it's mm-hmm. say that's the nub that's visible in our clitoral hood mm-hmm. from each side is a leg or a bulb and they go down the outside of the vulva down uh, underneath our labia so if ever you've felt an orgasm run all the way down to your toes, which happens for me mm-hmm. sometimes, not mm-hmm. all the time, yep. my orgasms yep. are very different. Um, some are shallow, some are deep, some are long, some are short, okay? Mm-hmm. Some have caused me to have nearly a, an asthmatic response. Mm-hmm. And uh, one time at band camp, I, <laughs> I, orgasm so intense- <laughs> I orgasm so intensely and deeply that my uterus contracted and dispelled its contents. So, which Goodness. was pretty messy. My GP mm. was very impressed. She said, wow, that must have been some orgasm. I said, it was. It, it was an earthquake. So, um, never had one like that again. Shame. So, understanding about 
your body and how your arousal works. There's so much out there on the internet. You can go down the rabbit hole. I highly recommend that you follow, find a sex educator. You know, there's obviously the programs that are available on Netflix. SBS has a wonderful range of programs to watch. Just go into their on-demand and do and type in sex in their search bar. And um, yes, SBS, Sex Before Soccer, never stop. <laughs> used to watch the, um, the erotic movies and masturbate to them years ago when I was married. Good old SBS, yeah. yeah thank you, SBS. Thank you. <laughs> and they, they actually, on their um, copy on their website, they acknowledge that people um, appreciate their world movies, erotica. Mm-hmm. So where was I going? Right, so education. Yeah, mm-hmm. finding a sex educator, do a course. You know, there's so much out there. You can work one-on-one like this on camera or you can buy a recorded um, online course module with follow-up calls, join a support group. There's um, Australia, there's the Women's Divorce Academy uh, run by Gillian and um, Carolyn who mm-hmm. also have the Champagne Cartel. Highly recommend jumping in that group. You'll have an army of women behind you, okay, who have walked a similar path. Um, I ended my marriage. Back then I wish I'd had something like the Divorce Academy behind me. I did it all on my own. I had no family where I was living. Um, My friends had busy with their own lives and children and so forth. And it was before the days of social media. But what I, when I look back, what I did do, and I think this is because I'm a very pragmatic person, I developed a plan to reinvent my life, rediscover who I was. Um, I had a MySpace page, mm-hmm. a blog. <laughs> I actually wrote a blog called Spaceship Rediscovery, and I challenge anyone, if you can find it, please let me know because I can't find it anymore. It was on WordPress. <laughs> Amazing. Um, um, but I had a plan and it wasn't that I wanted to go straight into my sexuality. I'd been celibate in my marriage for the last three years. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't buy my first vibrator until I was about 35. And I remember walking into that sex shop with the girlfriend. We, we walked in and we were like, <laughs> little giggling. <laughs> it was not not a sexy moment, Not not a moment that I'm proud of. Uh, because it just wasn't enjoyable, but I'm proud that I gave myself permission to have a vibrator. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to be single to own a vibrator. God, no. So, you know, for some men that I've spoken to feel threatened by a woman mm-hmm. having a pleasure device. And I said, well, it's just like you having a bloody drill in the, sh- in the shed, isn't it? Or mm-hmm. a saw, electronic saw. You're not going to hand cut your timber. Yeah. <laughs> so, so why can't a woman use a bloody um, vibrator to orgasm? And like in my experience with my partner, he's the master of my vulva, okay? Mm-hmm. He has um, taken all my feedback in oral sex. He's fucking brilliant. And we've done an online course together, Pleasuring the Vulva with Curious Creature, which I'll send you the link. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was money well spent and now he knows how to touch me he knows how to ask me what you know is it how can I make this better for you or you know I'm touching you here what can you feel and things like that so it's helped mm-hmm. elevate his communication skills so the other two things I tell people and this all they all you know mesh together with the education you've got to put it into practice so you need mm-hmm. masturbation, okay? You must practice on your own body to learn and understand what your body wants and how it responds to stimulus. I can't emphasise that enough. And there's no shame in masturbation. Forget everything that you've been taught as a child, every negative point, every chuckle, every, you know, <laughs> snigger. We have a clitoris and it's there for a reason and I've learned pleasure 
is a great way to help manage stress. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. It yes. really is. And I tell you, if I didn't masturbate while I was in that very unhappy, sad, sad marriage, I don't know if I would be here. I really don't know if I would still be here. Whether or not my mental health crashed, I think my physical health would have ended me at that time. So um, masturbate as much as you bloody can. And if you find that you're getting, uh, not, I don't want to say addicted, but if you're habituating, you know, or getting too familiar or too relying on your masturbation techniques, then it's time to step it up. Pull back, re- pause and reflect and make some changes. The third thing I say to people is, so you've got education, masturbation, mm-hmm communication we need to learn how to tell our partners what we need and what we want in the bedroom we also need to go the other way and to be able to communicate communication is a two-way street Mm -hmm. so you need to be able to talk to your partner and say what do you need and want and one thing I've learned is um you know, like particularly when you're having to give someone constructive feedback in the moment, mm-hmm. no one ever wants to feel that they're not doing the right thing, okay? So I guess it's that positive, negative, positive sandwich that you build. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm not talking about my partner, I'm just talking generically, but there have been occasions um, where I've said something like, um, you, know, I, I, you know, like I love how, you, how you're playing with my breasts but I'd love it even more if you squeeze my nipple really hard you know so give them something that they're doing right and then help them elevate it to the next level or um, like during oral sex for instance and here's here's a tip (laughs) you can use these words I don't mind if people want to borrow them Um, (laughs) if you're receiving oral sex and you're not feeling it Hopefully your partner is attuned to your responses and if you're lying there and you're not moaning and groaning and not moving, there's something not quite right. So you do need to be tuned into the um, body language of your partner as well. So don't leave it go too long, okay? If you're not feeling it, don't lie there and be too scared to say something. It just creates this huge, awkward void. Well, I've been doing that for five minutes, you know, why didn't you say something? So position just and say look I'm just going to move my hips so I can get your tongue to touch me there you know I'd really like it if you did um, circular motion in around my vagina or my pussy however you want to use it you don't have to be too technical with language Um, but say something don't just suck it up I think it's the worst thing that we can do in in any um, Mm -hmm. occasion of our lives is I mean, yes, you have to pick your battles, but I tell you what, when you're in the bedroom, you're being intimate with somebody and sharing a piece of your humanity with that other person. So, you know, please don't be afraid to speak up. They'll appreciate it. So, um, yeah, so my advice to any woman and, and man is education, masturbation, communication. And if you are on a journey, put a plan in place. My plan before I jumped to my sexuality was to explore my, um, rediscover my intellect because I had put so much off. I wasn't reading. You know, like when I was a kid, I used to read encyclopedias and the dictionary. Mm -hmm. I had a bug catcher and um, a butterfly net and a microscope set. So I was always very curious and I switched off that curiosity during my marriage. So I really wanted to bounce back into my intellectual spirit I knew I needed to develop my emotional intelligence my social life was crap and I'd given up going to seeing movies music and theater mm-hmm. so I got back into all of that and it was a good year after I entered the marriage before I decided I was ready to have sex for the first time and I was on a dating website and this much younger man, he was seven years younger than me, reached out to me. I thought, oh, great, this big hunk, he'll be my six-week root. 
and I took off a few boxes and we ended up being together for nearly seven years. Wow. Yeah, so, and that was a, that was an interesting time for my life then. Uh, I did a lot of exploration on my sexuality, lived in an open relationship with him for the last three years, which I realised now was probably a way for us to try and resurrect or, you know, to stay together. And I'd say to anyone, Marg, if you're in a, if you're contemplating an open relationship or you are in one, there is a wonderful book out there called The Ethical Slut. And it's written by two women in the States, um, Dorothy Eaton and Jossie. Jossie Eaton and Dorothy somebody. And that book is brilliant for anybody. It's not just for people living in a polyamorous relationship. It really covers matters of the heart, how to, how to communicate, how to manage jealousy. Because sure as hell, if you're monogamous, you're still going to go through jealousy. Whether it's yes. you know jealousy of that person not giving you their time, or you see them, you know, obviously feeling attracted or looking at somebody like that or somebody else, and um, you just pick up on their um, that they're into them. Uh, brilliant book, and I highly recommend that. So, um, so being in that relationship was a, a safe harbour for me to find out who I was. And here Perfect. I am now, Susan the Maven. And here you are now, <laughs> Susan the Maven. The Maven. I love that. That's great advice. So we're we're ed. We're focusing on education, masturbation, and communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll put those in the show notes as well because that's some really really great advice. But there's some stuff in there that I want to pick up on. Sure. Um, and then I'm going to come back to the word slut. Okay, because that's a mm-hmm. big word. Um, the notion that um, we should go and educate ourselves about sex seems to be almost like shouldn't sex just be natural? Shouldn't we just, you know, who, whomever we're with, all right? So it doesn't matter what your, what your sexual orientation is, whether you're with a man or a woman, whoever it is, it's just a natural thing. We're just going to get together and it's going to be this beautiful, beautiful experience and we're all going to have great sex and we're all going to have orgasms and it's just going to happen. It seems really clinical to say, no, go educate yourself on the biology of your clitoris and the biology of, of your vagina and, you know, go and learn about this. That Doesn't that, you know, because it's supposed to be this fabulous spontaneous thing, like we look at each other and go, yeah, let's go, you know, see you on the couch or see you in the bedroom or wherever. But educating and that just seems really clinical. Um, how do you, how do you, I guess, how do you tie that back to how women are taught to feel and how we're supposed to be like always like just good at sex okay. or just instantly turned on? How do, how do we help with that? Um, well, firstly, the clinical side of education like I don't have a degree in, in history, but I'm pretty sure I know from the day dot and in the Bible, women have been smothered and oppressed to think that their sexuality and their pleasure does not matter, mm-hmm. that we've been an object of desire and a receptacle mm-hmm. for a man's seed. Not my words, they're words of a woman, um, the mother of, someone that a boy a teenage boy she said to me one day women are just the receptacle for a man's seed and oh, I was taken aback and I thought oh wow. you know I didn't have that attitude um I wasn't raised no. with any sex education at all mm. um, my sex education was through nature and um a bit of exploration when I was 18 I I didn't have sex until I was 18. Um, didn't have my first kiss till I was 16. Mm-hmm. So um, we've only got, like our bodies are wired, obviously, to procreate. But our social evolution, like humanity's, um, you know, society has moved beyond being hunters and gatherers. But our um, ability to have sex... Oh, I'm, I'm screwing up what my thought patterns are here. I'm trying to say 
that we can't just rely on a natural instinct to be sexual mm-hmm. in the world that we're living now. If we yeah. were very primitive, and I'm talking very, very early, early, early man, before even civilization and growing food, I don't think the concept of pleasuring each other would even be there. We mm-hmm. would just be following our, our natural urges and instincts to yes. procreate. Okay, so it's like um, society's emotional intelligence around sexuality has started to develop over the millennia. So um, what can where in any movie, television show, books, are there any messages that say to women, your, sex, your sexual pleasure matters and you can go and learn. I'm, I'm sure, like I've, I remember reading uh, Wilbur Smith books and it was very much about the sexual adventures of that young boy growing up, mm. okay, spending time in a brothel, learning or having an older woman to teach him how to be sexual. Um, there's a book, um, I don't know if you've ever read, Plan of the Cape Air in the Earth Children series. It's a wonderful storyline and actually I've masturbated a lot to this book. (laughs) Um, It's a story set in the Stone Age where you've got, I think it's um, Neanderthals and Cro-Magnon man or Homo sapien. So, you know, both very different in development and a clan of Neanderthal people that they've had an earthquake and their, their cave is damaged and they're, looking for a new place to live and they come across this little blonde-haired girl who doesn't look anything like them and she's been, you know, scratched by or um, clawed by a bear, which is their totem, so they take her in. So cut kind of long story short, she grows up in that um, environment, very different biologically and also her brain, and she ends up leaving and goes and lives in a valley, which is the second book, Valley of the Horses, Lots of great sex in, in that book. Um, written very well, actually. So um, that whole story is around these two people. There's Ayla, the girl, and Jondala, and they're coming together. And I know this is not what something we t- thought we'd be talking about on our podcast, <laughs> your podcast. But in each story, sex and their sexual education, their sexual experiences are very much a centre of their characters and interestingly Jondala has been blessed with a very large penis and awesome. <laughs> I like I like big dicks um and it's um it this he's always struggled to find a woman who can accommodate his girth mm-hmm. his length so but in his culture they have this process where the boys are taken away and they have a, uh, a sexual mentor or a sexual maven who teaches them how to pleasure a woman. And likewise, um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they do the same for women, but I think it's the, the girls of that tribe um, go and live with those women and they learn about sex and everything. And do that appealed to me. When I was reading those books, I thought, oh, God, I wish that we had a similar concept in our society where pleasure for women was as equal, if not as important, mm-hmm. as it mm-hmm. was for men. And we all received instructions on how to give and receive pleasure. Yes. Because how many women listening now put themselves last in the bedroom, okay, mm-hmm. and just give up on their orgasm? I know I've done it. I've mm-hmm. performed in my mm-hmm. younger single days. I should have had a bloody Oscar cabinet full of <laughs> for my orgasmic performances. Yes. Okay. So, yes. but now I, I mean, I, I don't necessarily come every time I have sex. It, it's pretty like I have a pretty high hit rate now, um, but it's not always. I, I don't orgasm penetratively. I need um, stimulation, stimulus of my clitoris, and I use either fingers, tongue, or a toy. There you go. Three more tips. Fingers, Three tongue, more or tips. Toy. Fingers, tongue, toy. 
<laughs> let's let's stay on that topic while while we're there though. That sex has it's become all about the quest for the you know the holy grail. You know the big O. Like if you're not having if you're having sex and you're not having an orgasm, then why bother? It's something's not working out there. Um, and yes, orgasms are fabulous. I mean. Yes, please, as many as you you know you'd like to give me. Thank you very much, or I'd like to give myself. Mm. Um, but particularly in partnered sex, if we are having you know, so we're not masturbating, we are having sex with somebody else, and it doesn't result in an orgasm for either partner. Doesn't have to be you know one or the other. Then have we failed sex? Like, did I just fail sex? Does it have to be about the orgasm, or I'm a bit like you, you know, it's kind of can kind of be, I can have great sex that does not result in an orgasm because it is intimate and it is tender and it is loving and it is passionate. And if at the end of it there's no orgasm, I've still had a nice, not nice isn't the right word, I've still had a good time, I've still enjoyed myself. So do we get too hung up? on the orgasm as the ultimate outcome and if we're not having an orgasm, sex is crap and that's why, you know, we've, we've got to focus on the orgasm. Mm. What's your thoughts on that? Oh, look, I totally agree. Orgasms, just when you're going to be intimate, an orgasm is the cherry on top. Don't, don't set out having sex to achieve an orgasm because you'll get stuck in your head and there's a saying when you're in your head, you're behind enemy lines. So um, my orgasm, I've learned it gets buried under to-do lists, like basic things like have we got milk, <laughs> have we got water, um, you know, like it, time-wise. If, if Sometimes, you know, if we have sex and there's a short time frame before someone's coming home, right, that'll impede my orgasm. So I just let it go. Yeah. So it just... Just let it go, Susan. It's not a race. No one's going to give you a trophy when you get to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I have learned to change my focus from striving for an orgasm every time I have sex to striving to building memories, having a really deep connection with my darling. You know, we, we always start with deep eye gazing, we always have to look, and to me, sex is conversation. We have this word game where we're very much into puns, and um, you know, it's hard to give it any examples. But um, uh, if a word comes up from a television show or an ad, or uh, we say something funny, we have this sparring game mm-hmm. of of building puns around that. Um, we've started having sex playing an erotic game, which you can buy in Spicy Boudoir. It's a card game mm-hmm. asking each other questions about, um, you know, scenarios. And I'll tell mm-hmm. you what, that was a quick pathway to, like, come on, let's get it on. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it just takes the pressure away. Um, mm-hmm. Starting with really soft, slow kissing and building that up to really hot and heavy sort of heavy petting um one of my favorite things that we do is we sit on the couch and we pretend we're like 14 15 and we we make out on the couch and and i'll I'll whisper in his ear you know what time does your mum get home (laughs) (laughs) yeah come on whip it out i'll give you a blowjob (laughs) <laughs> that's too funny <laughs> so um just take i'd say to every woman take the pressure off yourself about having an orgasm just let it come let it flow and you know if you feel if you believe that you've never had one then look it's something it's something i would hope every woman has before they die um, Betty Dodson, who was an American um, sex educator, has this wonderful quote that death is our final orgasm. So don't leave that one as your last or your first. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and this is where masturbation mm-hmm. 
you know, if you live with someone, just go and, and you can't get privacy, go to a motel, take some toys, take some erotica. And, um, and like there's also, probably I don't know if you listeners know, there is ethical pornography out there. If you look at Erica Lust, spelled E-R-I-K-A, she is either a Swedish or Swiss director and she makes ethical pornography where it's not that male-focused, you know, rogering of a genitals, mm-hmm. mashing and, and nothing like that. It, it, it's beautiful mm-hmm. filmmaking. There's also Make Love Not Porn, which is a website that you can subscribe to, and it's homemade pornography. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask about the role of, of pornography, um, you know, and again, you know, and I, th- I think, you know, things like Pornhub do everybody no justice and mm. and the porn industry, you know, as a whole um, has not done women any favours in terms of we're supposed to just be super orgasmic um, and, you know, what you've just described there is basically genitals being mashed together yeah. um, and, you know, suddenly some nubile young thing is, you know, screaming out an orgasm. Mm. Um in, in reality, I don't know about you, but that's that's kind of not been my experience. And no. and how do we how do we then bring so you know in amongst the educate masturbate communicate? So I was going to ask you what role um, porn can play in that masturbation experience, and where does a woman go and find good porn? Now, whether you know, and again, whatever that is, whether that's male female, female female, you know, two women and a man, you know two men, one woman, whatever it is that takes your fancy, where do we find good porn that just doesn't make us go ill? I well, think you've just given us a couple of yeah. tips there. Well, personally, I use Erica Lust and I know I have masturbated to the pornography on that website. Sorry, Mum, but that's the truth. <laughs> you won't be listening. Oh, look, I, 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 I think there is a... There is a place if if it's what you need, you know. Mm. So it's literally it's like whatever floats your boat, right? Whatever you need to get the pleasure that you're seeking, go go do. Mm-hmm. Which brings me then to you know you talked before about being an ethical slut mm-hmm. or the book of the ethical slut, um, which is like an oxymoron, really. That you know this word slut comes with so much um, angst and so much. Um, negative connotation around it and it's almost like a woman who actively pursues her sexual pleasure and is in tune with her body and knows what what pleasures her she gets this label of being a slut um how do we how do we change that social stereotype that says that a woman who enjoys sex and enjoys it as frequently as she cares to have it, no matter whom that is with, um, including masturbation, and openly talks about it and has a bedside drawer full of, full of toys and isn't ashamed to use them. How, do we, how are we as a society going to remove that label of slut or nympho or, you know, all those fabulous terms we get and just, you know, actually kind of go, you know, clap for you, girl. Well done for being in tune with your sexual nature and expressing yourself and we, we're congratulating her instead of shaming her. What's, what's it going to take to do that? Well, many different levels of response there. Um, if you look at, at the levels of micro being us as an individual and then that middle people around us and then macro the world around us, how you define a word yourself is very much on your values. Like for me, if someone called me a slut, I'd say thanks. Mm-hmm. You know, I work hard at being a good slut. Um, I am an ethical slut. And I'm, I'm sure I read originally, um, but and I was just looking at my phone to Google if I could find it then, mm-hmm. not ignoring you. Slut initially was a positive word. Mm-hmm. And it was a woman who you know was embracing their sexuality so it's not a nice sounding word slut slug slut slat 
but no, I'd probably use, you know, it's one of the reasons I call myself Susan the Maven because the Maven to me is a beautiful sounding word. Maven yes. traditionally is someone with wisdom and knowledge mm-hmm. and a willingness to impart that knowledge, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Susan the Slut's probably not a good one. <laughs> <No. laughs> After personal branding, no, it just wouldn't have gone to well. So Susan the Maven looks and sounds good on a business card. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has to, the meanings of words has to start with ourselves and then how we educate the people around us in our circle. And... Um, Obviously, you've got no control over how a word is used in the media and the entertainment industry. But I think movies such as Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, which I'm not sure if you've seen that yet with Emma Thompson. Not yet, but I was chatting with another lady last week about menopause and she also recommended it. Yes, everyone listening, you must, must, must watch that movie. I teared up at the end and I burst out. I cheered and clapped. Mm-hmm. And then women in the audience, we all turned around and started chatting to each other. So fantastic movie. And also How to Please a Woman, which is an Australian movie. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen that, it'll probably be out on um, streaming services very soon or available on Google Play. But all of these are very sex-positive role models of women mm-hmm. who are breaking past their boundaries, their fears, to learn about their sexuality. And they're, yeah. they're being good sluts. So, um, I mean, I don't think we'll see complete and utter sex positivity about women in my generation. They say it takes three generations to make change. But I'm hoping that you know, people like us, Margaret, are having these conversations and someone listening to it, but it, it's like a pain reaction and, and mm. spreads like a fire. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, podcasts like this, podcasts like mine, sex educators, yes. female sex educators, men who, who stand up and um, advocate for women's pleasure and sexuality and um, reducing, you know, violence against women. All of that will eventually change, but we're a long, long way down the track. I think humanity, our our emotional intelligence is probably one out of ten. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to this stuff, I would agree. I would agree. Mm. And that phrase, sex positive, um, that's that's a really important one for us to to start to reframe mm. um, that narrative around. Is is that you know. A woman who is in tune with her sexualness and her, who she is as a sexual being and can express it is sex positive, not a slut or, That's right. you know, some kind of, you know, middle-aged crazy housewife who just wants, wants a lot of sex. Well, um, I'm I, I just sorry about in there about that mm-hmm. wants, wants, wants lots of sex. Somebody said to me recently, they were shocked but they assumed because I was the madam of a sex shop and talked mm-hmm. about sex that I was having lots of sex and sex every day. And I went, uh, no, it might be once every three weeks, once mm-hmm. every two weeks. Sometimes it's once or twice a week. But you know, we don't count the quantity of our mm-hmm. um, sexual shenanigans. It's always quality. So a question then is around the notion that good sex also equals lots of sex or lots of sex equals equals good sex. And what you've just shared there is that the frequency of your sex may only be once every couple of weeks. Um, so there's also this, this notion that people that are having good sex are having a lot of it. Um, so I think that's another important myth to kind of dispel that, yeah. you know, sex doesn't have yeah. to... Yep. look like anything in particular it doesn't have to result in an orgasm it doesn't have to be you know daily or several times a week it can be once every couple of weeks or once a month or whatever it is as long as you are enjoying it and you feel empowered in your experience that you're having then that equals good in inverted commas sex right yes but i would just add an extra 
it's what we do in between when we're not being sexual. You know, my partner and I, we still maintain um, a flirtatious dialogue and not, not flirting constantly but there's always, like we start every day with a kiss mm-hmm. and when he leaves for work, I, you know, I'm at the window, I wave him off mm-hmm. and then I go and play with my toys. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we actually we do give um, each other permission to masturbate if needed mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and if we do, we tell each other. You know, oh, you know, I cracked one out today. Mm-hmm. I was bored, or just came upon me because you know I'm surrounded by sexual stimulus stimuli mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that hand holding, rubbing my foot on the lounge, working together in the kitchen. You know, we we make our meals together, so there's not this feeling of, um, you know, and unbalanced yeah. position domestic mm-hmm. in that domestic labor so you know we still we're sort of dancing with each other in between and um we we do have date nights where we say right tonight we're setting aside time for sex and it'll be as soon as he walks in the door i'm in the bedroom waiting he goes to have a shower come in and we just give each other for that first two hours or whatever time we need, everything's turned off, phones are turned off, TV, pets are away. <laughs> like, oh, we're home, we're home. Um, so just really dedicated, preserved time mm-hmm. for each other okay. and that's really important. Mm-hmm. We also respect each other's time, a need to have time alone and to do our own thing. Um, not so much having to leave the house but, you know, he, he likes gaming, he likes fiddling on his 3D printer. Uh, when he first got his printer, I I did have to raise the topic. Um, I was feeling neglected and that uh, if I was a 3D printer, I'd be the most satisfied woman <laughs> on the planet because he, he would be handling me a 24-7. Lot, yeah. a lot. <laughs> so, but there's that communication, okay, and empathy, towards each other's needs and uh, he, he does know I I need that downtime on my own yes. and uh, it just so happens because I work from home, I'm home alone, I'm getting that at the moment. Yes, yes. So, um, That's super important what you raise there is, again, it's, it's, you know, this notion that sex should always be, you know, spontaneous but if we don't make time for it, then we don't make time for it. That's right. Or, That's right. or the time that we've got is when we're tired and we're stressed and it's at the end of the day when nobody's got anything really of value, you know, left to, to put into something that if you're going to mm. make it, if you're going to say this is a priority, then prioritise it, plan for mm. it, mm. you know, set the conditions, set the timing, you know, and, and really work for it. I, I want to move now, though, to, to then... You know, that's, that's great for, you know, for people in a relationship, awesome. That's what we're doing there. If we're not in a relationship, um, whether by our own choosing or whether we've just not found that person that we want to be in a relationship with and, you know, we're, we're in the realm of um, self-pleasuring and, and masturbation, mm-hmm. how do we, how you know, how do you give advice or what advice do you give to women who are in that and particularly if they've been on their own for quite a long period of time and they've not come out of a, um, a marriage or a relationship where sex positivity has been there for them so they haven't been able to express their needs um, and they're a little bit shy about, you know, God, I've never, I know women in their 40s and 50s who've never owned a vibrator and like this part of me is like, oh, my God, you poor thing. Let's go shopping. Um, how do you introduce women or what's your advice to women who are considering buying a vibrator for the first time, whether they're in a relationship or not, but particularly if they are single um, and they're going, all right, I'm, I'm going to go give this masturbation thing a go. I'm going to buy a vibrator. You walk into Sexyland or you jump online and you can spend anything from, you know, $10 to hundreds and hundreds of dollars on things and there's all different shapes and sizes and colours and where do you even start with buying a vibrator or a toy? Well, that's a great great question and I've written an article about this. It's on my blog about how to choose the vibrator. 
And it comes down to knowing what your orgasmic preference is, whether you need that internal stimulation is enough, or you need solely clitoral stimulation, or you want both, or you want stimulation and there's lots of pleasure to be had in your anus, okay, either inside or outside. And we're not taught that because we see anal sex as being something dirty. It's where poo comes from. Oh, yada, yada, yada. I can tell you, ladies, um, one of my bucket list items was to experience anal sex. I did that with my um, pilot light lover, the my six-week route who became seven-year relationship. We didn't do it all the time, but I wanted to experience it, and that was one of the most powerful orgasms I've ever had. And you don't have to have um, penetration of your anus to experience that pleasure. You know, just a glove, gloved hand with a bit of lube, doing donuts on the outside mm-hmm. while someone while you're playing with your clitoris mm-hmm. is is lots of fun. So there's many different products on the market. Um, I recommend for women who have an orgasm that's just locked inside their head, which is like mine, to invest in the suckling technology mm-hmm. where the device actually sucks on your clitoris. Yes. Yes. It's an incredible yeah. feeling. You look like you're not nodding your head. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's a physical book on your face like, oh, yes. I, I Look, the Melt by We Vibe is my favourite go-to. I keep it in my drawer within reach, keep it charged, and um, it can be intense. Like I learned, oh God, yes. I just about jumped off the bed the first time I put it on. <laughs> it was too. I had it on the highest setting. But, oh, oh wow! My. So lowest setting, and this. So that's my clitoris coming to the side. Push, pull away. Yes. Put it on. Take it away. And it actually helps build, build, build that intensity, and that you know you're building up this big crescendo. Yes. Yeah. I. Um, also finding somewhere where you can talk openly mm. about your feelings about sex. Um, I know what it's like to be shy. I am, I, I might even be able to say that I was, but I still am shy. I could never speak up to say what I wanted, and this was in every aspect of my life. And I decided after you know watching other people and other women in particular in the workplace be very articulate with speaking up and and putting out there what they wanted and I wanted to be like them and I practiced by giving compliments to people who gave me really good service because that helped me bridge the gap of speaking to a stranger because when when you do speak to someone that you don't know you're under their gaze, you're getting judged, you're getting assessed, yeah. you're getting labelled. And uh, that really helped um, and gave me courage then to, to be able to speak up um, my mind and build up um, Teflon or mm-hmm. like, you know, everything. I don't take things to heart. The only things that matter to me are the, the words and advice that come from my partner and my daughter and my dearest friends. Everyone else around me, I don't give a fuck okay. what yep. they say. Mm-hmm. I, I'm over judgment. Mm-hmm. And, and judging others is very hard not to do. Um, and I do catch myself doing that, but I do try to give unconditional regard to people that I meet mm-hmm. and yeah. not judge them. Yeah, yeah. And it's having been judged all my life. Yes, yes. You know, and that's a big step, you know, for women to find other women where they can become more comfortable in talking um, about sex matters um, is is important. And if that's not your girlfriends, if you don't have a, a, you know, a circle of friends where you can sit down and go, all right, let's have a conversation about our orgasms and let's talk about masturbating mm-hmm. and who's got what toy and what do you like about it? Like, you know, if you don't have that circle, then going and finding it is a really important thing to do. I completely agree. Now, something that we haven't touched on yet in regards to pleasure and toys and our orgasms is for menopausal women, our natural lubrication really, really changes Mm -hmm. during that phase of our lives. For some women, they don't notice any changes, but for others like myself, 
I literally had sandpaper in my uh, vagina and my whole vulva and it was quite painful. Yes. Um, and um, thankfully now there's products like Happy Pores, yes. which is an organic vegan yes. balm. It's, it's Best not, stuff. I, it is. It, it's for day use. It's not, mm. um, I guess if you were desperate, you could use it as a lubricant, but it's for the comfort of your vulva, mm. okay? So if you're being sexual with yourself, with a partner, with a toy, with a penis, then lubrication is your friend. Mm-hmm. And um, don't don't fall into the trap that I did. Um, I went into this feeling of embarrassment that I wasn't creating natural lubricant mm-hmm. during my intimacy with my partner. And I was, I was too scared to speak up. And he thought that... Once I did speak up, he told me I thought I wasn't doing, mm-hmm. I wasn't pleasuring you enough. Yeah. Yes. We thought it was all to do with him. Mm-hmm. And, and you um, weren't turned but, on enough. That's right. Mm. But no, it was, um, this is when I discovered responsive arousal. Mm. And thankfully now I do experience a bit of lubrication naturally, more so after I've orgasmed, um, and we don't always have penetrative sex either. I just want to say sex is not defined by having a penis inside a vagina. Okay? No, not at all. We quite often take turns to pleasure each other, and sometimes the whole event is about me, mm-hmm. or the whole event is about him. Yes. And then the next day, the other person receives. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you need to get out of the rut of thinking yeah. about sex as what you see in movies and in television and in pornos, you know, sex is so much more than penis and vagina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. is there a type of lube? Again, we go to the shops, we look online, there's a bazillion different lubes. Is there one that you most recommend? Yes, so Spicy Boudoir, we recommend um, Pure, P-J-U-R. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. That's medical grade uh, lubrication. Mm-hmm. There's both silicon and water-based. Mm-hmm. There's um, a beautiful range called Sutil, S-U-T-I-L, on our website. It's actually made in Canada by uh, the company's owned by a mother and a daughter, mm-hmm. and their focus is on providing uh, natural organic base lubrications. Um, I just want to mes- uh, mention also there's a fantastic company on the Gold Coast, and we stock their massage oil. It's Wildfire. It's based on olive oil. And you can use it four different ways. You can use it, you know, just as a moisturising lotion for your skin and massage. You can put it in your bath mm-hmm. or you can use it as a lubricant. And wow. uh, that's one of our favourites as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the um, aroma, they've got um, four different types. There's the black, the red, the purple. Sorry, there's three, the black, red and the purple. And the black is my favourite. Amazing. Amazing. Very spicy and erotic. And you're right, it is, it is important that if we're going to use a lubricant that we are using a good quality one. You can't just, like, mm-hmm. grab the moisturiser or grab anything and, like, no, no. Yeah, leave the Vaseline and the KY alone and <laughs> invest in lubrication. Absolutely. I completely, completely agree um, with all of that, all of that. So that probably brings us to then talking about um, your your store. So your website is um, thespicyboudoir.com. Um, so right. www.thespicyboudoir.com. We'll put the links to um, the website into the show notes. Um, there you can obviously learn a little bit more about Susan the Maven and her um, the work that she does. But there is um, a shop there uh, online with all sorts of toys and pleasure devices and lubricants and accessories um, that um, gave me some interesting browsing yesterday. Most definitely go, oh, I wonder what that one does. (laughs) So, ladies, if you are looking for somewhere to go that's a great website, really well-priced as well, and products that I know, Susan, whether you've tried and tested them all yourself, I know that you you recommend them. Not quite. So many (laughs) toys, only one box. (laughs) 
That is a great way of considering it. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll post those those details uh, on the show notes, and also how um, the ladies can follow you on uh, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter um, as well, so that they can keep in contact with you. Susan, we could, oh gosh, we could talk forever. Um, I've got more questions. This is a great topic. I can feel a part two coming on. Um, I might even put it out to the ladies in our Queen community and see what they might like us to talk about um, a little more as well. Um, mm. And uh, we shall continue the conversation. Thank you so much for being here with us today on Living the Queen Life podcast and being so open and so vulnerable and honest with all of um what you've shared with us today and for the work that you're doing in the field. You're welcome. And I just want to say to everyone listening, ladies, there's a queen inside all of us. Mm -hmm. You've just got to put your crown on and wear it with pride. Absolutely. That is great advice. Yes, every woman is the queen of her own universe. Thank you for listening to Living the Queen Life podcast. You can join in on the conversation at Queen of My Own Universe on Facebook, Queen of My Own Universe 1 on Instagram, or visit the website at www.queenofmyownuniverse.com. Please join me again soon, and in the meantime, keep on living your best queen life.